eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Cheeseheads. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's curd and long. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM, The Fan, beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin, along with our guy Ryan Horvath, but MGM tonight, him, Trista Crick, Nick Ashu, weeknights, part of the BetQL Radio Network. Watch them uh, while you're watching the games, or if you have your radio on, your CBS Sports Radio affiliate, I'm sure you're listening to our next guest all the time like I do. He is Zach Gelb of the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Follow him on Twitter. At Zach Gelb, nobody talks more Packers and Bucks uh, on a nationally syndicated radio program more so than Zach Gelb. Weeknights on 1250 AM, The Fan, from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. here in Milwaukee. Zach, thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. Sparky, Horvat, what's going on, guys? Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So let's first start off with uh, Kenny Clark. You just had the Kenny Clark interview on your show uh, this last week, grabbing some headlines uh, around the country, kind of Kenny talking about feeling some disrespect towards the Packers so far. Yeah, so I always love when we have Kenny Clark come on, and um, I just asked him that simple question. Do they feel like they're getting disrespected because everyone's talking about the Vikings and also the Detroit Lions heading into this season? And he said that, yeah, sure, they're definitely feeling disrespected, but they kind of like that because all those other years they've been the, the top dog inside the NFC North. Zach, when you look at the defensive side of the ball for the Packers, you know, and you're doing a national show and you see all those first round picks, like what are your expectations coming into the season? Because a lot of us thought that they were going to be a top 10 defense last season. And it was the same issues. You know, they couldn't defend the tight end. Uh, they couldn't defend the run. Uh, one of the worst teams in the league defending the run. What are your expectations for the defense coming into the season? Because I think right now they're just like a big unknown with a bunch of first round talent. Yeah, so I asked it to Kenny, and he said the expectations are high. And then when he uh, looked at the defensive side of the ball, this was a unit that got better down the stretch. And then the quarterback play just down the stretch last year wasn't great. So kind of the way that I look at it for this team is that they're a unit that they have a lot of talent on paper, but they got to put it together. There's too many times when they go through stretches of play and it's just too inconsistent, but you have Kenny Clark up front and Jay Alexander on the back end. That's a pretty good starting point. Locally, people are sick and tired of Joe Barry as defensive coordinator. Many wanted Joe Barry fired uh, at the end of last year, going into this year, especially with a bunch of, you know, I would say name defensive guys out there for jobs. Leslie Frazier is still out there. 
I have said, I give him to the bye week, which is week six for the Packers. If he hasn't figured this out, I may go get me a Leslie Frazier to be the D coordinator the rest of the way. What do you make of the defensive coordinator for the Packers, Zach? Yeah, I understand the pushback from the fans, but the chances of them making a move in season, especially that early, I would not expect. And then also to go outside the organization to bring someone else in, uh, that's something that usually doesn't happen in the NFL in season. But I'll tell you this, you look at the first eight weeks or so for the Packers, they play the Bears, the Falcons, the Saints, the Lions, the Raiders, they have the bye week, and then they have the uh, Broncos and the Vikings. And then after that, they have, the Rams who aren't even supposed to be that great of a team. So the first nine weeks of the season, even though they're ushering in a new quarterback and you have some questions on defense, we know what Christian Watson could be. And then the running back game uh, does look pretty good with AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones. It's not an impossible schedule early on, even if you do have some growing pains. Let's just talk a little bit about the NFC North, because right now, you know, if you're looking at the betting markets, the lions are the overwhelming favorites. Nobody really knows what to expect after that. You know, Minnesota won the division last year, but Delvin cook's gone. Adam Thielen's gone. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they just weren't very good and they didn't really add any talent. Chicago's a big question mark. And I think green Bay, you know, it looks like it's going to be a rebuild. Who do you like this year coming into the season? Are you going chalk with Detroit or do you think maybe there's a sleeper team in this conference? Yeah, I wouldn't call it a rebuild for Green Bay when you look at the NFC North. Um, I really do believe that the Bears are the fourth team in this division. And then, yeah, you would say the Lions and Vikings are are better in front of them, but they're not locked this year. Uh, We know Minnesota's going to regress from 13 wins. The question is just how much do they fall? And then everyone loves Detroit. And usually when everyone loves one team, you know that they usually disappoint, especially when that team hasn't got to that level of success that we've expected. So ultimately for the Packers, I think it comes down to the health of that offensive line. And then how quickly does it take Jordan Love to really grow up in front of our eyes? And I'm not saying Jordan Love's going to be Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. But remember, Lamar Jackson's first three years of starter won an MVP. And Patrick Mahomes threw 50 touchdown passes and did the same thing. So if you could just get a solid, above-average version of Jordan Love, they'll be able to compete in this division because none of these teams in this division do I really love and do I really trust when you look at the NFC North. When we look at the NFC North, why don't you think that Matt LaFleur gets more respect when we start talking about how coaches are valued around the National Football League? We just had Ross Tucker on uh, last week, our Odyssey NFL insider that uh, you well know. Uh, and and he's got uh, LaFleur ranked where? The 20s, was it, Horvat, something like that? Yeah, he's got him down the list. Uh, he's got Dan Campbell really high. I was kind of surprised to see LaFleur so down on the list. But he made but when some- I Right. When I asked Tucker about it, Ross Tucker about it, I said, okay, so what I'm understanding is if you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, then that almost kind of knocks you down a little bit versus a guy like Dan Campbell, who has Jared Goff as his quarterback and is still able to make some hay. Uh, how much respect do you think LaFleur deserves versus how much maybe not given because he had Rodgers? Uh, it's Aaron Rodgers. That, that's why he's not getting that respect. And, and I'll say this. Now we're going to find out how good of a coach Matt LaFleur is. Um, I'm not going to put, though, any pushback that you could get uh, all on LaFleur in the past. Uh, you go back to that NFC Championship game up against Tampa Bay. And I know everyone crushes him for taking that field goal, which was a dumb call. But Rodgers kept on stalling in that game and wasn't finding a way uh, to go to throne uh, Tampa Bay with many opportunities there. So, for Matt LaFleur, I, I wouldn't call him a great coach. He's obviously not a bad coach because of how good the record has been. Um, you know, I, I would say right now he's an above-average coach, 
But if he wants to go into that level of being a top 10, being a great coach, you got to at least start off this year having a respectable season first year without Aaron Rodgers. What do you, what's the leash for with Matt LaFleur? Like, let's say Jordan Love isn't the guy. You know, let's say this is a four-win season and they decide to stick with Jordan Love. Maybe they don't draft the Caleb Williams. You know, just because, of course, he won 13 games, three straight seasons, but then last year they failed to make the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers. Now, you know, now is where, you know, Sparky always says, you know, LaFleur wasn't hired for uh, to be the coach of Aaron Rodgers. He was, LaFleur, he was hired to be the, you know, coach of the next guy. So what do you think the leash would be? You know, would it be just one losing season for you, Zach? And you think Matt LaFleur may be on the hot seat? Or do you think it's like a couple seasons? What do you think that looks like? Just because, you know, like you said, it's not really a rebuild for Green Bay with all this first-round talent. Well, let's be real. If Brian Gutekunst is dumb enough to fire Matt LaFleur after one year, then after everyone's going to be looking at him and starting to say, right. but then the leash is very short for Goody as well. So yeah. I would say that this year, I don't want to call it a wash year, because there's really no such thing as a wash year in the NFL, especially when you have a guy that's been there for so long. But I would think if he has a bad year this year, then there's some questions out there that next year is a big-time year. The way that I kind of look at this is when you have a first-year head coach, and I know it may not be the same because he's taken over a decent situation. He's been there for a while. But a lot of times with first-year head coaches, I will lay up that timeline of year one's a wash, year two improve, year three go and complete. I feel like that gets expedited because he's already been there and the Packers roster is not a bad roster right now. You're just losing Aaron Rodgers. So that's kind of the way that I look at it is that you're, you're a little bit on a scale of what I just laid out to. And it's year one, you know, just don't, don't, don't let the ship sink. And then next year is the year that the Packers really have to go for it. And what is an NFC that's wide open for right now for the foreseeable future. I know it changes from year to year, but we're going to get some answers this year on Jordan Love where if you're a Packers fan, the way that I judge success this year is just walk away at the end of the season thinking that Jordan Love is the guy or could be the guy, and then wins and losses are kind of irrelevant to me for the Packers this season. See, that's the thing, though. I mean, we talk about the talent on this team, and I think we all agree that there's talent on this team. Yeah. But at wide receiver, your most experienced guy uh, is Romeo Dobbs uh, and Christian Watson, neither of whom played 16 games last year, both of whom were hurt and show flashes throughout the year. That's your most experienced wide receivers. Uh, and then at tight end, yeah, you've got DeGuara, but I mean, there's nothing right home about there. And then you have two rookie tight ends that are expected to obviously see a lot of playing time as well with a first-year starting quarterback in Jordan Love. Uh, more times than not, that does not uh, end up being a successful combination for any team, regardless if this was Jordan Love following Aaron Rodgers or somebody else on another team. Yeah, but you have Aaron Jones and you have A.J. Dillon who will be Jordan Love's best friend. And I think what Watson showed down the stretch is more so – the Christian Watson that we expected. But the biggest key, once again, Sparky, is going to be that offensive line. Can David Bakhtiari's body hold up? And then we know when healthy, Elton Jenkins is one of the more versatile offensive linemen in the game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Zach, like you said, though, I mean, you know, anything could happen in the AFC and in the NFC. I'm sorry, you know, nobody's really going to run away with the NFC. I know the Eagles are favored in, I think, 14 or 15 games this season. Uh, you know, if I take away Philadelphia, who else do you like in the NFC this season? You know, obviously San Francisco, maybe Dallas, but, uh, you know, are there any sleeper teams or who are you looking at? Yeah, so right now it goes Eagles one, and then it goes 49ers two, and then that three spot is wide open. The team that I kind of like, and I don't love their quarterback, but you look at their offense, they're absolutely loaded. It's Seattle with DK Metcalf, with Tyler Lockett. You got Jackson Smith and Jigba. You have the two running backs and Kenneth Walker and the rookie out of UCLA and Zach Charbonnet. And that defense has some names in the secondary as well. And uh, they bring back Bobby Wagner and Pete Carroll, a, a top 10 coach in football, probably top five or six. I look at Seattle as a team that just as long as uh, Geno Smith, who won the comeback player of the year last year, doesn't fall flat on his face, in what the NFC is now, they could be that third team that could go make some noise this year. Who's the best coach in the NFC? That's a great question. Best coach in the NFC, it's got to be Pete Carroll, right? That's who I'd say, yep. Because here's the thing with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's a really good coach, but him walking into the QB factory each and every year and walking out with a different product until he takes that position more seriously. And I know that his system is phenomenal. He thinks the system can win with anybody. You could get really far. You could even get to a Super Bowl and I'll put Mahomes in the first three quarters, but ultimately that quarterback and not having that consistent guy at quarterback and that guy that you really believe in is going to come back to bite you. Zach, I feel like with, you know, Green Bay or really any teams in the NFC North, nobody knows what to expect, but everybody has a pretty strong opinion or a take on what the Jets are going to be like this season. Either they're going to be a 13-14 win team, they're going to make a playoff run, or they're going to be an absolute disaster and Rodgers is washed. Where do you fall uh, with the New York Jets and just that entire division going into the season? Yeah, Jets will be a playoff team, the AFC East. I probably wouldn't have said it a few weeks ago, but now I've come around on it. I do think it's the best division in football for a while. I was saying it was the AFC North. But uh, you could tell me the Bills, Dolphins, or the Jets with that division – and clearly it wouldn't surprise me. In a weird way, since not a lot of people are talking about Miami, I'm kind of leaning Miami to win that division right now just because everyone says is going to get hurt and he's not going to make it through this season and usually I like to say what everyone does say. Um, so that's why I'm kind of thinking Miami with all that talent that they have, they win that division. But as for the Jets, I think the Jets are going to have a really good year. I think they're going to make the playoffs, but you guys know it better than anybody the last few years, Aaron Rodgers has it made for himself outside of last year. And come postseason time, whether it's against the 49ers or whether it's against the Bucs um, at Lambeau Field, he just had some bad decision-making and, and did not go out there and play the best brand of football that he can to go get those big-time playoff victories. So, sure, you go to the Jets, you have some nice receivers, the reigning rookie of the year, you get Brees Hall back at the running back position. Maybe they had Dalvin Cook, they have a dominant defense. He has pieces there where he can go win a Super Bowl, but I'm kind of of that line of thinking that when Aaron Rodgers' career is all wrapped up, he's only going to have one ring on his finger. 
Uh, you're obviously a Patriots fan. I have to ask one quick follow on that. Are you excited for the season? Are you excited for Bill O'Brien? I mean, that offense can't look any worse. But, like, what are your expectations for New England going into the season? Because nobody's talking about them, which kind of makes me think they win 11 games. And do you actually believe that uh, Bill's coaching for his job this season as well? I, I do not. But here's my frustration. So yeah. I said heading into this season that they need to go get an offensive coordinator, which they did in Bill O'Brien, like you said. And then they have to go get a legit number one weapon. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is a good player, but he's a number two. They really dropped the ball here by not matching or exceeding that contract that DeAndre Hopkins got uh, with Tennessee. They should have brought in DeAndre Hopkins. They did not. They could have drafted a wide receiver in the first round. They did not, even though I really like the draft pick of Christian Gonzalez, but I think he's going to be a really good player in year number one just from some of the things that I hear. But kind of my expectations for the Patriots is, that Bill Belichick's roster isn't good enough, but Bill Belichick will always find a way, bare minimum, to win eight or nine games. But that's not going to be enough this year in the AFC. So if you ask me right now, Patriots outside looking in for the playoffs. Do you think Belichick is very excited by the fact that uh, at least the Jets have to deal with hard knocks, and at least he doesn't? Because by all indications, the Jets did not want to do hard knocks. Rodgers has pretty much said as much that they didn't want to do hard knocks. Uh, and here they are. They get a hard knocks. Now, I'm interested to see if these star players are going to sign off on those cameras because I think in years past, some of these star guys are like, I want nothing to do with this show. Just keep the camera off me. And that's how you end up with a lot of these training camp guys because these star players don't want to be on camera and don't want anything to do with it. If Rodgers is a no-go and doesn't want to be involved with this, uh, that's going to take away a lot of the intrigue by what people want to see on Hard Knocks. Do we think Aaron Rodgers is going to shy away, guys? He loves the drama, even though he'll say he hates the drama. He's turned into the last few years an attention whore. But you're not wrong in terms of the teams have all control over this. I remember talking to Hugh Jackson when the Browns were on hard knocks or in the aftermath of it, and I was asking about that scene with Todd Haley. Oh, yeah. And he basically said, we control everything that does get out there. And the way that he was kind of making it lead for me to believe was that wasn't the first time Todd Haley brought up that conversation and it was like the third or fourth time. So that's why they kind of put that through because Hugh was maybe fed up behind the scenes. So I don't think this is going to be the, I think it was the 2010 Jets that were on Hard Knocks in terms of that excitement. Um, hard Knocks the last few years has kind of been dull. I, I know last year people loved the lines, but the lines were good on social media and clips. I don't think they were actually good through the whole hour version. The Cowboys were so boring, which is ironic with how much drama they loved the last two years. But yeah, that's always a big thing because Robert Sala didn't want to be in hard knocks. He made that clear. Even Aaron Rodgers said that the uh, that HBO and the NFL kind of forced it down their throat. So we'll see how open they are. But I don't really view it as much of a distraction as these NFL teams make it out to me. You know what? Like, I mean, this deal just went down. So D-Hop to Tennessee. I mean, this doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. You look at the wide receiver room, and it does make sense. But I thought they were just going to kind of blow things up, right? Like, we hit the summer and they're talking about maybe moving Derrick Henry, probably not a huge market for a running back with all those carries. Ryan Tannehill wasn't very good last season. Again, the defense isn't great. I do love Mike Vrabel, but like, what are your expectations now for Tennessee going into the season? Because everybody loves Jacksonville, but now with D hop there, man, does that change anything for you or, or no, not really. They'll be a tough team just because Vrabel is a really good coach. Derrick Henry's a stud if he could stay healthy, and DeAndre Hopkins can still be a really good wide receiver. I think yeah. it's a team that you know when you go up against them, they're going to be a pain in the ass and they won't be a pushover. But no, they're not a team 
that really intimidate me. Even though they were rolling last year, I think they were seven and three before all the injuries just caught up and then they didn't win a game down the stretch. They ended up seven and ten. So this has been a team for a while that they're a good team, but I don't think anyone ever looked at them even when they were in an NFC championship game up against 10 points against Kansas City and really looked at them as an actual serious threat to go win a Super Bowl. Do you think that maybe – so, like, you know what kind of confused me a little bit was Bill O'Brien traded D-Hop, obviously, for David Johnson uh, when they yeah, were – He was an idiot. Yeah, when they were in Houston. So why would D-Hop want to go play for Bill O'Brien, who's now calling plays for New England? I mean, obviously, like, money talks – but do you think that had anything to do with it? And how do you think that would have worked out? Because, I mean, also, like, they never really gave a reason of why they made that deal, right? It was like – it was something really weird went down there. Yeah, so they had a lot of good years together. And then yeah. it was as ugly as an ending that you could have. I think it's pretty clear. And I don't fault DeAndre Hopkins for doing this. But he talked about how much he wants to go to a winner. I kind of roll my eyes at that. And we know that people could talk themselves into winning situations. But it's clear – that DeAndre Hopkins prioritized being a number one wide receiver and then also, more importantly, getting the most money. So if the Patriots would have paid him more than Tennessee, I think he could have talked himself into, okay, I had some good years with Bill O'Brien. They still have Bill Belichick. And even though I don't view them as a team that go win a Super Bowl this year, you could talk yourself into it. Similarly, like Tennessee, where I don't think anyone's going to be picking them to go to the Super Bowl. I don't even feel like people are really going to be picking them to make the playoffs. But the last few years, they've been in the mix. So whoever the highest bidder was, that was who was going to go get DeAndre Hopkins. And I think he'd be fine taking the paycheck, as he should be, and dealing with whatever problems that he has with any of those organizations, like one uh, potentially with doing it with Bill O'Brien. So I'm with Zach Gelb, Zach Gelb Show, CBS Sports Radio. Follow him on Twitter at Zach Gelb. But weeknights on 1250 uh, AM, the fan here in Milwaukee from 5 p.m. till 9 p.m. Monday through Friday. Uh, Diop, obviously, uh, lastly, with the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray, who's banged up, but has also had a lot of drama surrounding him as far as, you know, his study habits and everything else. We got Tom Clements in Green Bay, uh, who's the quarterback's coach, who was retired previous to the Packers going and getting him. His last job was Kyler Murray's rookie year when Kyler Murray was rookie of the year. And you would think he'd want to stay with the young quarterback up and coming and work with him. And instead, he said, no, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm done and walks off into retirement. Uh, and now D-Hop decides to pick up and leave uh, Kyler Murray uh, as well at the end of the day. If the Cardinals stink this year, they have to go quarterback, don't they? I mean, if they're one, don't they have to go Caleb Williams and kind of try and figure out a way to trade Kyler Murray somewhere else? 100%. And the Cardinals put themselves in a tricky situation because Kyler Murray was not deserving of an extension at a time. But just because you're not deserving of it doesn't mean you don't get it. But remember, guys, they then extended before Kyler Murray, Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury. They're all coach and GM. So once you extended the guy that drafted Kyler Murray and then has coached Kyler Murray, there was no reason that you could justify not giving Kyler Murray his deal. Um, I don't think Kyler Murray's a great quarterback. I think right now he showed that he could be a good quarterback, but he needs to mature and he needs to grow up a lot. And, and this is not just a talk show host saying this. You've heard teammates say it on the record as well. I remember what Kelvin Beecham did say in this offseason and how he's back as an offensive lineman for the Arizona Cardinals. I thought that meant that he was going to be somewhere else, but they did re-sign him this offseason. So remember, too, from the draft, the Texans and them made a trade so they could go up to three to get Will Anderson, the Texans, and the Cardinals fell back. So they're going to have uh, the the Texans' uh, number one pick, and, and then they're going to also have 
uh, their own number one pick. So you kind of look at that right now for the Cardinals. There's a good chance that they're going to have either the number one or number two overall pick in the draft. And if you get one and two or even one and three, you can get Caleb Williams and then Marvin Harrison Jr. as well. And then you just find a way to trade Kyler Murray. Um, I don't know when Kyler Murray's going to come back. I know he did the interview with Darren Urban the other day on the team website. He says he hopes to get back for week one. I would be surprised if we see him, though, the first half of the season with how late he suffered that ACL injury. I know recovery times just uh, speed up all the time now in the NFL for that injury. But I kind of get a feeling that Monty Austin Ford and then Jonathan Gannon, who I think is the least qualified head coach in the NFL and is just along for the ride right now, I kind of feel since they did not draft him, even though they have a big-time contract with Kyler Murray, if they have an opportunity to get Caleb Williams coming up in April in the draft, how could you pass up on that, assuming that Caleb Williams has another monster year and his stock doesn't fall, but everyone is presumed to, for him to be the number one overall pick right now. And Zach, even if his stock does fall, I think there might be a couple teams that may even have Drake May on their big board over, you know, over Caleb Williams. So I think even if they have the second or third or fourth pick, you got to go quarterback. Would you say that's the same for Green Bay? Because coming into like this season, I think it's all about evaluating Jordan Love. I don't think win-loss matters. Like the Packers could win three games, but if Jordan Love, you know, throws 22 touchdowns, 15 picks, over 4,000 yards, shows some good stuff, I think he's the guy moving forward. Uh-oh. Over one six games. Do you think, you know, same situation, Green Bay wins three games, Jordan Love doesn't look very good, and they have a top five pick, you have to go quarterback, you have to go Drake May or Caleb Williams, because when's the next time we're going to get a class like this? Yeah, it's going to be a tough pill for Brian Gutekunst to swallow, but I don't think the Packers will be that bad enough for that to yeah. be a realistic situation. But if they have a chance to get Caleb Williams, you definitely have to pull the trigger with how generational he's supposed to be. And I remember I, I was talking to Caleb Williams this year at the Heisman, and it was right when um, a QB coach, uh, 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 Tom House, said uh, that he could be like the next Mahomes, something along those lines. And I asked that to Caleb Williams, and he said there's nothing that uh, Patrick Mahomes could do, paraphrasing here, that he can't do, even though he understands how great of a player Patrick Mahomes is. So if they have a chance to get Caleb Williams, absolutely have to pull the trigger. And like you said, Horvat. Drake May with what he's supposed to be at UNC and what he did last year, that would also be another person that makes you think, okay, even though you drafted Jordan Love in the first round, if you're bad enough where you're in the top five of the draft, then clearly Jordan Love did not play well enough this year to potentially justify passing on two other guys that are highly thought of where no one ever thought Jordan Love was going to be a top five pick in the draft. Don't forget, you can download Curtin Long on your Odyssey app or if you download your favorite podcast ad. Got like five more minutes here with Zach Gelb. The Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. I want to go back to something you you kind of threw in there and slid in there, that jab again, and about being, you know, uh, the least qualified guy to have a head coaching job with the Cardinals. But Shane Steichen left the Eagles too, the offensive coordinator, uh, to go be the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Nick Sirianni now has to replace both those coordinators. Do you think there'll be some type of drop-off with the offense uh, without Steichen there in Philadelphia uh, when Sirianni is coach? So everyone's picking the Eagles to be that team in the NFC. And I think the Eagles are as good as advertised on paper. They have so many pieces on defense, even though they lost a little bit. And offensively, as long as that O-line holds up and they're getting a little bit older, but they have over the last few years drafted some guys who have immediately stepped up and played a big-time role. But as long as Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey are on the field, you have Jordan Mailata as well. And then on the interior side, you have Landon Dickerson talk about one of those younger players that they drafted. 
Uh, this offensive line is so good. And then plus you have Jalen Hurts, who's a consummate professional, and A.J. Brown with Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. There's too many names here for me to get caught up in, oh, they lost the O.C., oh, they lost the D.C. Maybe there is a little bit of an adjustment period, but I don't think it's going to take long just because of how stacked this team is on both sides of the ball. And that's kind of what you want to do, that if you have teams taking your offensive coordinator, your defensive coordinator, that means that you've had a really good year and that people are trying to recreate what you did. But let's not try to, and I'm not saying you did this, Sparky, diminish what Nick Sirianni has done because you know this better than anyone, Sparky. I think when Nick Sirianni was hired, everyone was like, who the heck is this? What are his qualifications? And he's quickly shut a lot of people up two years in. So I will well, trust Nick Sirianni and the combination of Jalen Hurts to get the job done. I remember texting you when you were making fun of Sirianni's press conference and say, dude, he's going to be fine. He's a good coach. He's coming from Indy. I'm telling you, he'll be fine. And he did end up turning out to be just fine. Yeah. But, well, that press conference was was very cringeworthy. It gave major Adam Gase vibes, if, if you remember. Yes, it was horrible. But and then I, I started was... talking about this flower analogy in Philadelphia, and it just wasn't a fit. But now Nick Sirianni, because you win games and he lays into the, the Philadelphia culture, everyone loves him right now. So look how quickly that could change. Why does Steichen get so much credit? It's a great question. And I know that off. Sirianni gave him a lot of control, but I'm not as enamored with Shane Steichen as everyone else is. Um, and I know he did a good job with the Chargers. I know he's done a really good job with the Eagles. But sometimes guys are just really good offensive coordinators. I'll be very curious to see how he does as a head coach. Um, I do prefer Steichen over Gannon, but it's not as if uh, I was you know, looking at Shane Steichen to be this great candidate to be an NFL head coach this year. Not surprised he got a job, but I'm not enamored with Shane Steichen like everybody else is. All right, Zach, I got two quick ones for you because I, I, I have this conversation that nobody wants to have. But do you think um, Mike McCarthy is a Hall of Fame coach? Mike McCarthy, career record, 155 wins, 97 losses, two ties, a Super Bowl victory. It's a good question. Um, he's gonna, he, he wins a lot. He's going to win a lot of games in Dallas. You know, he's, the first two years he's won 12 games, I think, both those seasons. I feel like, though, there's a stench around McCarthy, and head coaching in the Hall of Fame is always confusing. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Tony Dungy shouldn't be a Hall of Fame coach, but there's some other coaches that were more deserving before Tony Dungy as well. So the coaching part of it, 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 it's very confusing. Right now, I would say there's an argument to be made, but I'm going to say that right now McCarthy's on the outside looking in, but I don't think it's a crazy statement for what he did in Green Bay. I know it was an ugly ending with him and Rodgers. And then he goes to Dallas, and each and every year, everyone expects him to get fired. And he still stands there as a head coach where he has really good regular seasons. But in the playoff time, his quarterback with a defense that has been good enough to beat San Francisco twice just can't get the job done. It's just funny because I clown him. You know, we all clown him. We've clowned him in Green Bay. A lot of people wanted him gone, but you look at the record, man, and the resume kind of speaks for itself. And then you look at Sean Payton. He is going to be a Hall of Fame coach. His career record, 152 wins, 89 losses, one Super Bowl victory. And now he's going to Denver. A lot of people think he's going to turn that thing around. So I just want to know if you think Sean Payton's a little bit overrated as a head coach. They did have some losing seasons. They had the whole Bounty Gate thing, which was a mess there. And do you think he could turn things around in Denver this season? I don't think he's overrated. And I have a lot of respect for Sean Payton. 
But you look at, let's call it what it is, why he left the Saints. He didn't have a quarterback. Now, I give him credit. I know, right, you have the whole physical situation with Drew Brees in Miami, but he found a way to get Drew Brees to the Saints and get the best out of him. Drew Brees was a pro bowler before that, but no one thought he was going to go on to be an all-time great thrower of the football. So I I am a fan of Sean Payton, but he's one of those guys where he got that one ring and then he had some bad seasons, had the controversy, obviously, but then he's been close a bunch of other times and hasn't got the job done. Uh, This is a big year, though, for Russell Wilson because you already got one coach fired and Nathaniel Hackett wasn't deserving of the job anyway, and he was absolutely horrible and he deserved to be fired. But if Russell Wilson doesn't start turning around his own stuff now, the disrespected of a coach in Sean Payton, then those conversations are going to start a year from now about Russell Wilson maybe going somewhere else in Denver looking to get a new quarterback. Yeah, Zach Gelb. Follow him on Twitter at Zach Gelb. And, of course, check out the Zach Gelb Show weeknights uh, from 5 until 9 Central Time on CBS Sports Radio here on 1250 AM The Fan and, of course, around the rest of the country and your CBS Sports Radio affiliates. And, of course, make sure to check out uh, the, the funnest part of the show, anytime that uh, Hickey talks to his producer, that's always the best time to listen. Uh, Zach, thanks so much for coming so you're on. You're a big man. fan of wrong takes, then, is what you're telling me. I'm a big fan of <laughs> I'm a big fan of Colts fans. So Hickey's a Colts fan, so I got to ride with my guy Hickey. Someone Zach. has to support them. It's not a big time passionate fan base. I'll tell you, not yet, but yeah. it will be once Anthony Richardson gets off and going here. The the the, the bandwagon will start to swell. I think. so where are you on Anthony Richardson? I didn't want him. Uh, Ryan Horvat. My co-host here loved him coming out. I wasn't a fan of wanting to take him, but now he's a Colt, so obviously I'm going to support him. I think he's kind of like Justin Fields, probably to a certain degree, more of a runner than a thrower, uh, but hopefully he can get coached up and be on our way. Like Michael Pittman, to me, isn't a true one. He's a nice player, uh, but he's not that explosive difference maker in my mind, so I think they, they still need weapons for him. That offensive line stunk last year, coming off of an impressive year the year before, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, Taylor... You know, we'll see. We'll see on Jonathan Taylor, the former Badger. Yeah, the only thing with me for uh, for the Colts with Anthony Richardson is you have the highest ceiling tag, and that was the tag that was made about Anthony Richardson in this draft. And when it happened with Jordan Love, I kind of rolled my eyes because outside of that one year, we didn't really see it. When it happened with Trey Lance, it's like, okay, we didn't really see it. And now with Anthony Richardson, they're saying if he could do this, 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 and this, he'll right. be a great quarterback. I just got to see it. So – I always get skeptical and I hate the draft analysis of highest ceiling tag with a quarterback because that's just a nice way of dressing up saying he has all the tools, but we haven't seen him done it yet. Yeah, absolutely right. Zach, thanks so much for coming on, my friend. Always appreciate it. Always love listening to the Zach Elb show at night. Again, the guy talks more Packers and more Milwaukee books than anybody you're going to find doing a nationally syndicated radio show. And that's why everybody in Milwaukee loves them. Some Zach Elb. Zach, thanks so much for coming on, man. We'll talk to you later. You got it. And if anyone wants to send me some free spotted cow, I would not turn it down for all that talk about Milwaukee and uh, Wisconsin. <laughs> Peter Fagan should send you some spotted cow for all the times you've brought him on to publicize the Bucks. That's you should send you a spotted cow at this point, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just take some cash from Peter Fagan. You know, he's in a different bracket. <laughs> he has a different bracket than the rest of us. Yes. There he is. Zach Gal. Check him out on CBS Sports Radio. Enjoy the rest of your day, everybody. <laughs> 